Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show. Ten years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt. Co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. People message me, what did you say that guy's last name is? That'd be, well, <laughs> I can't even say it without going through the whole thing. Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. Listen, before we jump into the show notes, guys, um, Miles, you're not on Facebook anymore, but Ludwig, you still are, correct? Yep. And so w- what we get, Miles, you'll know this from life's experience, <clears throat> periodically we'll get an update. It'll say, here's a post from yours from a year ago or three years ago or whatever. So I got one from a decade ago. And keep it in mind, folks, that this show, uh, we started the show in October of 12. And this is a Facebook post from December of 12. It's not in show notes, but I couldn't help but starting with it. So I apologize to you. My words from December of 12, racial or ethnic um, minorities, gender and sexuality minorities, religious minorities, age minorities, people with disability, minorities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Census data shows minorities now a majority of U.S. births. Now that the protected class is the majority, can we finally skip the divisive rhetoric, stop with the hyphenations, the multicultural nonsense, and agree that everyone is an American? (laughs) But my reason wanting to start it with that today, guys, is that it's a decade later, and so I hear all of the time, folks now, social media, people that message the show, they're yelling about what's happened to our culture. Uh, Why is it so divisive? It's been this way for a long, long time. I was opining, whining about it exactly a decade ago, and we're way deeper in the muck now than we were then. Ludge, you must see this where you are a college professor. And Miles, just so you know, whenever I call him a college professor, I, <laughs> it scares the, je- the bejeebers out of me. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think how much did those kids pay for that class? <laughs> well, back a decade ago, nobody would have believed this would happen. <laughs> so what do you think? Our, our, we were woke then. The culture was in, but but we just didn't have a label for it. The is pro- that true? But the problem my classes is I don't see much of it. Uh, I don't know if it's because people on websites like what, rate my professor and all those types of things rate me that I'm not this way. So students who aren't take me, but I rarely encounter it. And so it leads me to believe it's that less than one-tenth of a percent that's the loudest that we hear about the most because I don't see a lot of it. I got to tell you what I think. And then Miles, because I'm talking, I'm actually addressing you with this. I think Miles has been right the entire time he's been on this show that all of this is ab- – and I'm putting words in your mouth, so correct me where I'm wrong, but you essentially said it's all poppycock. It's the media selling sensationalism, and it's corporate America just trying to umbrella itself out of fear. Is that correct, Miles Bauer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just – I stand back and I go – Holy smokes, how much are we going to allow this to get into our universe when in truth I just don't 
and I'm, I know I'm going to get a bunch of nasty grams again. I just don't think it's a reality. It's poppycock. So there's a new show out called Tulsa King. Yep. Uh, and stars Sylvester Stallone. Yep. And there's a scene he's driving in the car and he goes, they keep moving the goalpost. And he's an old school mafia st- mobster. And he goes, "This all this woke fresh, stuff. Fresh and, out of prison. Yeah. All yep. this woke stuff. And he's talking on and on about it. He goes, they just keep moving the goalpost. I don't care who you, what you want to be, be anything you want, but just don't push it on me. And I'm like, man. It's a powerful statement in the show. Uh, it is, but listen, Dolly Parton essentially said that, and and wow, she just got she got crushed with the critique from both sides of the Great Divide. She got booted hard for stating essentially what he said in that what is that a, a Netflix series or something? Paramount like that? Plus. Paramount Plus. Yeah, I've watched it. I just. I, the, the, the new, I'm a dinosaur, as you like to point out. Yeah. The new system of broadcast or TV drives me bat crazy, where you got 50 billion channels and everything on them is absolute junk. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. Just junk. Yeah. Crazy junk. Most of it pushing an agenda. I've gotten used to that. Heck, even the Beverly Hillbillies had politics in it. We talked about that on here a few years ago, uh, where they were. Yeah, anyhow, I, I just, it's it is a uh, a changing world. Anyway, I wanted to start out with that quote because I found it uh, fascinating. Um, and since I'm on a roll, let me talk about state party politics for just a brief moment, nowhere near as long as I ranted about that. State of Michigan's political party. Um, I'm reading from the Detroit News where they believe that there will be more than 10 candidates running for state chairperson of the state Republican Party. Um, I've got the number at eight right now. Detroit Detroit News said they expect to be more than 10. Um, it, I, the problem with that is, is it'll be a food fight. And... I, it scares me on our side of the divide that there are there, folks really misunderstand. They misinterpret. This is my view, everybody. They misinterpret the purpose of a political party. Mm-hmm. It's a get-out-the-vote machine. It is not an ideological machine. It's not left-wing, right-wing, or any other wing. It's a get-out-the-vote machine. So there's a lot of folks tripping over each other, calling each other filthy names because they think that there's power in the party. Well, let me tell you a big, gigantic, fat secret. There's no power in the party. It's a get-out-the-vote machine. So when I watch this, I think a handful of thoughts come to mind. First off, the reason the Detroit News is tweeting about it, it's because they love to see the right fight. They love it a lot and i look to the right and i go come on don't you guys see this will you please put your egos back in your top left drawer that's exactly what i thought i saw some of the lists you have here and i'm like man i'm not reading the names no by no the way. no no i won't but these people are power hungry i've watched them run a few times for different things or what this and that and go man you keep losing or what do you, what is your real goal here it's not about actually making our, our party great. It's 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 about right power. So I came in last, and I know how to run a state party. 
Um, wait a minute. We, they took a playbook out of Kamala Harris. I and you, you go, get less than one percent, and then you still become VP. I, I mean, it's it's I and, and listen, folks. Let me be let me be really blunt and honest. Ludwig and I both have run political races and lost. So on the other hand, Ludwig and I, neither one of us are running for state party chair to tell everybody else how to do it. I actually have to tell you something today. I think uh, Ludwig might throw his hat in. He might as well. Might as well. I mean, listen, it's going to be like a a sock hop. And it gets to the point where if you're a voting delegate, it becomes a blur. So whatever name sounds the warmest and fuzziest, I don't know how Ludwig von Wiedemdorski is going to go over, but maybe. I don't think the ballot page is wide enough for that name. I got a Facebook page. I just got to get enough of those people to show up. (laughs) Miles, if you're not in Michigan, but if you were in Michigan, (laughs) would you be voting for Ludwig to chair the party? Uh, no. <laughs> wow. That's the best endorsement I could have got. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear the dry tone? Like, yeah. why would you ask me such a <clears throat> stupid question? <laughs> I'm hurt. I'm offended. <laughs> well, Is there a safe space in this studio, Darren? <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the basement just around the, just around the staircase. You can go sit in there and, on the throne and pretend you're important. <laughs> That's what I do most days. <laughs> Jeepers, I'm telling you. Listen, I didn't even get to the show notes yet. Folks, stay with us. We've got to go to a break. But there is some big stuff right thereafter. Listen, uh, Ludwig, you were talking before show started about something with the World Cup. Help me understand what you were trying to communicate to us. So, as everybody, I would assume, knows, is the World Cup's going on in Qatar, which is already controversial enough. But they take it stateside. So, for the last few years, the U.S. women's soccer team has been a powerhouse nationally. They're, they're absolutely better than the men's. They earn more national revenue than the men's team does. However, soccer's paid differently. Soccer's paid through FIFA and international play. So the men's team makes more, even though they aren't as good and they don't uh, generate as much national income. But the income that pays them is not from U.S. soccer. It's from international and FIFA. So that being said, the women's players have been fighting for more money because they are better. But they're getting what they earn. The women's game around the world doesn't get as much, so they don't get paid as high. Well, is that, is that, that's like a... That's like an insult to the, the female gender that you're making, Ludwig. But do they get paid Are you earn? saying that women are not worth as much? Is that what you just well, said? if they don't generate as much, they can't be paid more. That's simple economics. Unless, unless you're the U.S. men's soccer team who's agreed to take and pay them half of their money from the World Cup. Okay. I, I don't agree with this. Miles, are have you followed that story, Miles Bauer? Um, no, I haven't. I I got to tell you, from my standpoint, I know you tell me if this doesn't line up, okay? So I am. I asked Siri. You put the note in our show notes, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to under folks. You got to picture it. I'm parked on actually. I'm parked in a restaurant parking lot at the time, and I'm reading the notes on what Ludwig just described. And I, I asked Siri, 
who's uh, whose painting sold for the most in history, and it's a Picasso for $104 million. He painted it, I think, in 1905. A couple years ago, it sold for $104 million, according to Siri. That's that's my source. And I thought, wait a minute. I'm every bit as good as him. I, and by the way, I don't particularly like his paintings. <laughs> I'm just saying. But I thought, well, how come, even though I might not be a Picasso, why don't... Why don't I demand that my artwork also be equivalent to that amount of money? And the reason I'm trying to take you down that path is I don't want to get lost in the gender debate. In fact, we started the show with me opining 10 years ago about this, what I, I, I do believe in equality, mm-hmm. but I'm a meritocracy person. And so it goes to your point, I think, tell me where I'm wrong, but if you generate more money, you're going to get paid more. And I don't particularly care what your genitalia is. You are going to get paid more if you generated more. Picasso evidently is considered a better artist than I am. I was shocked. And when I first got my head around that, I'm going, how can that be? I threw paint at the the canvas the same way I think he did. (laughs) He must have sat around and laughed about it even then. That said, we've got to get to the point where we can give up on all of this nonsense gender Ethnic, race, religion, all of these things are non-starters. Yeah, and that's the whole point to this is, although the women actually get more than the men from the national side of things because they generate more money in the United States. Yeah. But when you take the total sum of all, the aggregate, as we call it in the econ, the men get paid more because the men's game worldwide generates billions of dollars. Wait a minute. Tell me again. Did you say the women's generates more in the U.S.? In nationally, yes. Why is that? Do you think? Because they're good. They are really good. They're the, the best. The, the women's team. They're probably they're number one in the world. Okay. So should they be paid more? Yeah, but unfortunately, that's the, the, that's the meritocracy thing I was opining about. Yeah, but unfortunately, the women's game worldwide, internationally, doesn't generate billions like the men's does. And in order to keep teams competitive and the, all the different cups and tournaments they run, every national team gets money from the international community for this. So, yes, the men get more. They're not as good in the American level, like as in our U.S. team, versus men and women. But the way they're paid is differently. And it's not because of gender. It's because of popularity. The highest-paid soccer player in the world is about to be Ronaldo. He's 37 years old. He's going to sign for $207 million a year. I gotta tell you something now. You can. You're the big sports guy. Unless one of my grandkids was playing soccer, they'd have to pay me a lot of money to go sit there and watch it. <gasps> oh, look, the ball went that way. <gasps> wait, then it went that way. Wait, wait, wait. It's going back the other way. Oh my gosh, is that a terrible so you sport? You haven't tuned in to the World Cup? Abs? No. And USA, I gotta tell USA. you, USA. No. Boring. Boring. Mm. That like sport it. is almost as bad as hockey. The puck went that way. Wait, right. wait. Now the puck's Jared, going that way. Jared's even fired up. He did a little knuckle crack. He's I like, saw Let's that. Go. <laughs> We're just going to get five for fighting here. <laughs> I had to add that part on because, folks, I'm sitting with, with two fellows that think they're big hockey players. <laughs> and so I had to throw that in. But listen, I, first off, I, and this is how naive I am, I thought that those were um, – I, I didn't realize they were paid sports. I really didn't. I, th- I thought those folks were 
in there for the gusto trying to be victorious for their team. And well, I they get, are, but it's bonuses you get for... Well, that's paid. Nah. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If, so if you're a salesperson at an auto dealership and you don't actually get an income, a salary, but you do get paid a commission, if I scratch out the word commission and call it bonus, are you then applauding like a penguin with excitement? They don't get paid if they don't win. They don't get paid if they don't win. That's exactly right. So as I'm saying, it's, it's, it's a bonus. It's, but how come they think of it as an income? The car guys. Well, and girl. No, no, the, the the car guy and girl has to sell the car to get it. They have to win to get paid. Right. I truly didn't realize it was a paid position. They get training money. That's it, That's been a contest. And that just tells you how much I watch the sport. Yeah. If it was the only thing on TV, I'd throw my TV in a trash can. CNN or, or World Cup, which one are you picking? I, I'm, I'm, throwing my, I'm throwing my TV in the All trash All right, Red can. Wings it is. I don't want to get <laughs> bored silly, and I don't want to get lied to, so there's no purpose in watching. Well, which one's one which? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's a mix. You're, ex- you're exactly right about that, Lud. Miles Bauer, do you watch soccer? <clears throat> no. <laughs> I mean, the World Cup isn't just soccer. Are you a big hockey guy? No. <laughs> <laughs> Women's basketball, that's it. <laughs> I was in Vegas with staying with my family for, I spent a year out there. And all my family, they're, I mean, major hockey fans. And I'm going, oh, you guys want me to go sit in that stadium in the cold and watch that again? Really, truly, that's what we're going to do? Yep. Let's just go sit on the side of the highway and watch cars go by, you know. Well, you might get as many fights. <laughs> you get shot at more often. <laughs> 47 shots on 96, 47 shots in a hockey game tonight. I'm reading an article from I'm reading an article from AP it's AP News and it's called AP Photos Capture World Bursting at its seams. And what it is, my interpretation, I don't know if either one of you two had a chance to review it, but my interpretation was is that they're trying to say that western culture, it's my interpretation, that western culture is in free fall. That's me paraphrasing a fairly lengthy article. Um, Lud, what was your interpretation? I didn't. I didn't get that because I went through a lot of these pictures, and a lot of them are like Middle Eastern countries, African countries, India. It's all over the world. So it's just the world is in free fall. Yeah, just a lot of different. There's so much going on. Um, one of the ones I think that got me the most was a Ukrainian guy who's 22 and he had his legs blown off and his uh, left arm blown off. Right. Because he was sent to the front to fight, and that was pretty. That one, that one was t- like wow, but they were wow. But yeah. but listen, when I'm reading it, I'm I'm having flashbacks to all of the times that Miles is on yelling about my show notes, clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. But right. it's designed as a fear mechanism. So you know, human beings have the brain that's set up to negative rather than positive because it's the fight or flight syndrome. That's what's being affected at a core level in a human brain. And they are playing on that. They're spewing negative. So there's however many billions of people in the world, and they run all over trying to find 25 just outrageous, scary circumstances on purpose to flip that negative switch. That's my view of it, and I'm causing everybody, I'm trying to say I caution you when you're watching what you're seeing from these outlets. Do me a favor, though, folks. Stay with us. We've got to go to a break. We'll be right back.
Enthusiasm number 64 with Mike Hewitt. Huge success is a curious thing. Many of the most successful people are from very impoverished and challenged beginnings. Recently, I did a series focusing on American success stories. People like Samuel Clemens, who became Mark Twain. He changed the literary world. Keep in mind, he left school in the fifth grade after his father died. How about Oprah Winfrey, who as a child wore burlap sacks and is now an internationally acclaimed multi-billionaire? The Wright brothers, Muhammad Ali, Neil Armstrong, Percy Spencer, Gladys West, Clint Eastwood, and so many more. What they all have in common? It wasn't politics, race, or luck. They each worked hard, and none of them ever gave up. What's the truism here? Stay away from people that say you can't. Dream big, work hard, and never give up. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Uh, listen, folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt. Co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. I, I got to start with that. First, first off, a little bit of housekeeping. I got to ask you a favor. Go visit the MikeHewittShow.com. From there, you'll find links to message me. Or frankly, you'll find my personal cell phone number. Call me, tell me we're right or wrong. Text me. I would love to hear from listeners. But the reason I asked Jared to play that 60-second spot is that, I, in fact, I ask in my show notes, what's the truism here? Stay away from people that say you can't. And my reason for wanting to include it, especially at this point in the show, right before the break, we were talking about the negativity that the media, and I want to say the left, but I'd be fibbing to you. I want to say this because it's closer to the truth. The media and the left and the right are both spewing negative. And so the left is starting to convince me that the right has got some problems. The right is starting to convince me that the left has some problems. And the media is selling whatever problems they think I'll buy. And I'm saying, wait a minute. How does this generate success? You talked about Ludwig about meritocracy indirectly. Mm -hmm. How a person can make themselves more valuable is how I interpreted it. I can tell you this, folks. How to make yourself more valuable to yourself is to not allow all the negatives, negative to get inside your head. I've really come to believe that more in the last in this in this last 10 years. It's been a growing passion of mine to say how can I push away the negative. Keep it away from my granddaughters and grandsons. Get those people with their fear-mongering away from my family. And and that's where my family and the individuals within it and your family can do a deep dive on what their definition of success is and then let nobody tell them not to achieve it so that they can go get it done. Miles Bauer, I got to tell you, you and I went to school together and we've talked a few times over the 40-some years thereafter about success. You are probably one of the smartest men I know. But to your point along the path, you weren't born that way. You worked yourself to death. And I got to tell you, back in school, when I was, you know, stealing Coke to get you to, Coca-Cola, by the way, <laughs> to get you to do my homework, uh, you were working your butt off, and I was watching whatever the latest sitcom was. I know I was not watching soccer. 
I don't remember exact, but it was not watching soccer. It was ballet. So, Miles Bauer, when you look back at your life, you've been highly successful. Was it a gift? Is it because of your genitalia? How did you? How do you think you got successful? Yeah, that you know that that is the thing. When I was tutoring my son, because he was not the most gifted math person that has ever lived. Me either, and by the way. I, I would be helping him through math in both grade school, junior high, and high high school. And I I I remember at one point him turning to me and saying, Yeah, but dad, you're you're uh, smart. And I I looked at him and I said, dude, do you think I fell out of my mother's womb and I already knew algebra? I was like, you know, you kind of have to work at this. You really do. I I remember me having just great fun on on the uh, campus grounds while you were in in late late into the evening on a uh, um, what was that an IBM key punch operating computer learning computers? Um, right. And if you walk down the academic halls. When you were in, I'm, I'm, I'm not wanting to be your cheerleader. I'm just telling folks the truth. You earned it. And so when everybody else was having a field day, you were the last guy in the academic hall working. And and that's that's been a, a boom for your success. But I look around now and I look at all, the, all of the things in our culture that are selling sizzle, clickbait, but they're all negative. They're all based. In fact, I think I've mentioned this before, the the Scotch commercial from the 70s. So you're looking at, it was always the back page of a magazine, the outside back page of a magazine. It was a glass of Scotch or a bottle of Scotch, glass next to it. And the glass, of course, it always looked crystal, scotchy but crystal. And subliminally, they had the skull and crossbones hidden in the ice cubes. So your brain would see them, but you might, might not recognize but what they were doing is they were playing on folks' fear, that flight or, fight or flight mechanism that causes the negative and it draws people in. The reason it draws your mind into it is it makes you want to study on the problem to make sure it doesn't get you. And that's what they were drawing on, and that's what these people are drawing on now. The politicians, and I'm not, I'm not an anti-political person. We've had politicians. We need them. But when they're selling fear, they are immediately off my page. I'm not interested unless they're a consensus builder. I'm getting very passionate on that point. So my grandma, when I was younger, had a pretty profound statement. This is before she disowned you. She passed away. <laughs> well, before that. You she, look at it differently before than I that, do. <laughs> before that, she disowned you. That was one of them. But this <laughs> one, she she told me, we were, I said something like, I can't do it. And she said, you're... Uh, I can't die in the poorhouse. Right. And I'm like, what does that mean? She goes, I can't die in the poorhouse because you said you can't. You're right. So when my kids say they can't, I'm like, you're right. And they go, but dad, I said, no, you're right. You've already stated you can't do it. Yeah. So if you say you can't, guess what? You're going to not be able to do it. Yeah. Old cliche, can't, can't, can't do it, done did it all or something like that. I, mean, I remember yeah. the first time I didn't play ice hockey that long. I started until I was almost 18, played three years at club college. And thought, you know what? I think I can go pro. So I went to a pro camp. Everybody around me is like, you're an idiot. You'll never make it. You can't do it. There's no chance. You're not good enough. I tell, you know what I tell all those people? Watch. Just watch. 
if they said when they said that to me about you, I went, yeah, you guys are right. <laughs> so fear, fear gauge. This is from zerohedge.com. Fear gauge suggests U.S. labor market may break soon. And by the way, I think it will. But they're using a fear gauge. And the fear gauge is, we've, Miles, you and I have specifically talked about the fact that the, the national economy is a question of people's confidence. And so when people like Ronald Reagan came to power, he didn't have an economic magic wand. He built people's confidence and desire to be American. And and the, the left doesn't do that. They want to have control of you. And the way to, to the way to garner control is to make you feel fearful and obliged to them for their help. Am I reading that wrong or right, Miles Bauer? No, I mean, think about the last two years we've gone through with COVID. Right. And how much how much of COVID was really about COVID and how much of it was about fear and especially you guys there in the Whitmer Correctional Facility, <laughs> how much did the Wicked Witch of the North leverage fear to control you? She's masterful at it. And listen, you and I debated all through her first term, and I say still, the folks center-left, not just left, the folks center-left felt very protected by her. Same thing, though. She's selling fear and a cure. I know you're scared because I'm doing this, but I'm the one that's going to protect you. I don't know, folks. We've got to find a way out of this negative can of soup they got us in. Stay with us, and we will be right back. All right, Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski, let's go a little bit of global news. I want to briefly talk about the the uh, Tucker Carlson did a did a thing early this week. Zelensky sits atop a money laundering scheme, so brazen Democrats won't allow it to be audited. And I have to remind you all something that, and, and I'm not trying to say I told you so, but when when Russia first invaded back in February, the second invasion. And I, two or three episodes in a row, I went on at, at too much probably about the fact that I couldn't tell them apart. Both of right. them are thugs. Right. Neither one of them have the interests of a free people in mind. They just right. don't. The war's been going on for hundreds of years, and it's always been played by the same type of men that I see Putin and Zelensky at. But somehow over the course of this year, Zelensky has been made into this wonderful, you know, godlike savior. And folks, he's not. He's a thief. He's a murderer. He's a thug. And we're giving them billions upon billions while we're 30 trillion in the debt. And we've got people, more people now, they're not talking about these numbers, but we've got a huge number of people living on the streets in America. Huge number. And meanwhile, we're giving thugs billions. Uh, oh my goodness gracious! Uh, I got yeah, nasty and, and billions that we don't have. We don't have, and yet, and and Lude, correct me if I'm wrong, but if if he's going to forgive all this, all these student loans, 
and he's going to send all this money to the U Ukraine. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just going to add more inflation on top of the inflation we have now. Uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. More money in the system creates more inflation. What when it's fake money? Any kind. Even if it's real money, more money in the system creates inflation. Um, because people, the more money you have, the more willing you're to buy something to uh, spend on it than somebody who can't. So it's going to drive the price up. So no matter real or fake, but the more fake it is, the higher and more drastic it becomes. It's, it's going to, well, we've, wa we've watched that. Yeah. It's like with the, the arguing over what the real inflation number is. Well, and then they'll name the number, but then they say, but that, actually, they don't say this, but it doesn't. It doesn't include food, energy, or housing. Yeah. Well, how can you do an inflationary number that doesn't include those three things that have risen the most and that people need the most? Because <laughs> they're the uh, things that risen the most. <laughs> how insultingly ignorant is that? It's That's, a political number. But it's, but listen, folks have got, and I'm not trying to be a fear monger. This is just math. Yeah. It's just math. Yeah. Tell me about China, Ludwig. So- uh, last week, at some point, they're in, they're in a COVID lockdown. It's a zero COVID policy now. Yep, that's what they call it. So they're locking them down. When we say lockdown, it's not like us. We can still go to Home Depot. They're locking people in their buildings from the outside. Yeah. So there was an apartment building that caught on fire, and the people couldn't escape and died. Right. Because they're not locked locked down like we like we said, locked in there, locked in, not locked locked in. Right. Uh, so the Chinese people have taken to the streets, and they want President Xi. They, they just reelected recently to a lifetime appointment. They didn't reelect him. Well, we know. Come we, on, we know. But they want him out. They we want his resignation now because the promises they were made by the Communist Party yeah. was give us a little freedom, we'll give you more economic boom. Sounds yep. familiar. And they, with this, have now taken the streets. They want the CCP gone. Right. That ain't going to happen. Short of an actual revolution, and Miles, you and I have already seen in the Tenement Square picture is what will happen if they actually do an, an actual, rather than standing out in the street hooting and hollering, if they actually try to do a revolution, they will be killed in the streets. You think yep. they have no sh chance, huh? I, Miles, do you see a chance? I don't see one. No. I, no. I don't flatly, I don't see it. Listen, I'm encouraged by the fact Anybody that wants freedom, if it's genuine freedom, I don't care who they are and the rest of that story makes no difference to me. If you're out chanting for earnest freedom, not I want freedom in the form of a socialistic, you know, tyranny, uh, single party, authoritarian Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actual freedom. I'm on their team, but I don't, I do not see a path for, for they don't have a bill of rights. Those folks can move into their home and throw them out in the street. They can shoot them in the street. They can run them over with army tanks. They can lock them in buildings they, that burn down. They absolutely can. Are the folks upset? Yeah, but listen, the same, as, not the same, but the folks in Iran are up in arms. And they're, they're, they may have a better chance of winning freedom in Iran than, than the Chinese folks do. So here's the question then on all this. Does the U.S. or the Western world have an obligation to back these people who have no way to fight for themselves. No. Do you want to go to war with China? I'm not saying I want to. I see no path But if for they them. have they have no ability to do it, who's to save them? Do we want a global war? Does this cause one? Uh, this could cause one. Is this the spark? But listen, it's 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 like the I've got a cardiologist that's from China. Nice, nice cardiologist female. Probably the smartest 
Folks, I was born with a heart defect. I've had a lot of cardiologists in my 61 years. This is probably the smartest, most at least in-depth and detailed cardiologist I've ever had. She's wonderful. I give her credit so all the progressives can start sending her snark grams. I give her credit for me still sitting here. During the time of this show, I've had a couple dark times. That lady saved me. But during COVID, she was, we're talking about masks, and it was, it was at the, probably the peak, at least in Michigan, of, of us pushing back, not us, a lot of folks in Michigan pushing back on the mask drama. And she was talking about, she said everyone in China wears a mask, but they don't wear it because they're afraid of COVID. They wear them because they're afraid of the government. And, and this is a China, born educated in China. She's exactly correct. Fear, like we talked about earlier, fear is being used to control us as much as our Bill of Rights will allow it. Mm-hmm. They don't have that, and they've got an absolute fear control circumstance going on in that country and several others. But I maintain, and you corrected me earlier on that other topic, I think Western culture in total is under attack by folks that want off, um, to, you know, totalitarian uh, power. But is that new? No, it's not new. I mean, that goes back to it, medieval it goes back, times. It, like. it, it does. It's no different than us talking about it's terrible right now, and that's through the prism of Donald Trump having the election stolen from him. But I read a quote from, from a decade, exactly a decade ago, that could easily be something I just wrote. Yeah. And so those things don't change. They've always been. I read Civil War I've talked about this on the show. I read Civil War diaries and letters home from both North and South soldiers. It was uncanny how similar they were, how their complaints were the same, their issues were the same, their fears were the same. None of them, I didn't find any of them arguing over slavery. They were all missing their wife, missing their families. Uh, Sometimes we lose track of reality when we get lost into politics and the negative... uh, clickbait nonsense that's being shoved down our throat. Keeping in mind that I bring up the Civil War by accident, but back then politicians were buying media outlets, literally taking ownership of them. That's how long the the media has been in the bag for one side or the other. Well, they do have the greatest protection of all. I mean, they had the First Amendment, so they're... I, uh, yep, yep, I, that's exactly... Uh, Miles, you and I are older than Ludwig is. He likes to acknowledge. By far. <laughs> and we're not going to take advantage of his youth and inexperience. That's right. <laughs> but how come How come Artemis, this this latest, you know, um, rocket shot to the around the moon, et cetera, it seems it feels like the, the vast majority of the population has really close to no interest one way or another. I didn't know about it. With... You didn't know about it. Uh-uh. I, I just I find that fascinating, Miles. We're down to a minute, but help me. What do you what when when you and I were kids, uh I, man, I remember the family being on the edge of this the couch, their chairs, watching the the not even just Apollo thirteen, but the entire sixties Apollo mission process procedure, all of the different elements of it was big news. And now we've got major developments and nobody seems to care. Miles down to seconds. What what's the difference? I you know for whatever reason, and I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm I'm getting old, but it seems like 
there is such a grab to control us, to make us, you know, to, as I've said before, tribalize us according to our skin color or our beliefs, uh, make us feel some of us are evil because of our, our beliefs and that we shouldn't be heard. It seems much more significant now it, it than is, it did back then. Miles, I got to stop you. Folks, do me a favor. Find us on Spotify and on Apple Podcast. You can take us with it wherever you go. Also, take a look at the MikeHewittShow.com. Please be safe, and we will see you next week. <laughs>